Welcome to the Church of Mavis Radio Show. It's Friday night. It's uh, 7.04 p.m. Central. we got Wham here representing tonight up in Hudson Valley. Hey ho Hey <laughs> ho I still haven't seen that uh, David Polite's uh, Missing 411 UFO connection one. Now he's just going full throttle with it. Like the yeah. Paranormal. Like he used to hide it. But uh, like, I, like I told the story when I interviewed him in written form, he I had a question about Bigfoot, about the missing people. And he's like, Jeffrey, I can't talk about that because people think I'm crazy. But now he just he's going full throttle with it, which, I mean, there's some cases that might, might involve. I don't know, but I want to see the UFO one. I'll watch it eventually one year. You have to pay for it right now. So so yeah. like Hulu or something <laughs> like for free or something. At some point it will. But I may pay for it, but it's not that much. But um, let's see. Uh, and uh, next week, I think is is a person that Stephanie Quick uh, got the interview. Is Stephanie sitting in? As she said, I mean, she's welcome to. I need to ask her. I don't really. She's know. well. She's but I don't know. You need to ask her. She's been having some yeah. health issues. So okay, I know there's some stuff with her mom too with some health issues, but. Yeah. Teresa Dorsey Mays. Uh, well, I'll ask her. Uh, tonight's guest, Laura Tempest Zakroff. Did I say that the correct way? You okay. did. You nailed it. That's right. All right. Well, uh, great to have you here. And uh, your book, A Witch's Guide to Sigils, Art, Magic, Visual Alchemy. Uh very fascinating for sure. And the first thing uh, that it brought up for me was like shamanic creative visualization. Does that fit in in some way in this? Like uh, I know it's complex, so many layers, but is that kind of what you're going for is like creative visualization? What's your, uh, I guess, your definition of visual alchemy? It's really about the intersection of art and magic and that art is accessible to everyone. And that we often have these um very socialized ideas that art is for the elite and you have to be an artiste, you know, in order to make art. And those often run into the same fears and issues that we have about magic, right? About what's socially acceptable and not. And so it's really looking at that and allowing folks to be more creative and see how art is a major part of their lives. And uh, fear is the art killer. Uh, of course, that reminds me of Dune right mm -hmm. off. But uh, what do you mean by that? Fear is the art killer. Fear kills many things, of course, but how does that uh, block art? Well, if you are afraid to make art, then you are not allowing yourself to be creative in any sort of way, right? To be able to, whether you're afraid to draw or to make music or write a poem and like, what are people going to think about it? And instead of exploring that and getting the release, like, cause art does so many things for us, right? It helps improve our memory, our problem solving abilities. It helps us to be more imaginative. Uh, it helps us offload emotions and thoughts, almost like, you know, like your own personal thumb drive. So, you know, when we, we cut off those ties to art, we can make ourselves unhealthy in many different ways, um, feel even more depressed, disconnected. And so, that's the sort of thing. If we are so afraid of starting that it's not going to turn out right or perfect or be acceptable or look good on a museum wall, we might as well not do it. And, you know, art's to practice. It's, you know, everything that we do on a daily basis, we had to start somewhere. And what was kind of the, the catalyst that got you on the path of, uh, of witchcraft? Uh, like, for instance, we do the show, uh, 
mainly because we've had these experiences that are unusual with paranormal type stuff. And we do metaphysical and all kinds of different subjects. But for instance, uh, me and Wham have had UFO and weird stuff like that. And a lot of mine happened after uh, testicular cancer when I was 17 and my father's death. So that was kind of like a shamanic death that was a weird eye opener that started attracting phenomenon. Uh, but as far as uh, witchcraft, I'm kind of curious, what was the start for you with that? Oh, we don't have that much time, right? <laughs> right. Uh, so I've always felt like I saw the world a little bit differently uh, and didn't see like traditional religious systems and really fitting to how I saw the world and thought it to be true. Uh, but I've also always been fascinated by the unusual, the unknown, the paranormal, um, you know, the time life series, Mysteries of the Unknown. Like as a, as a little kid, I was like, ooh, you know, like getting each one out of the library, reading it cover to cover and, you know, and playing and exploring with those types of abilities too. So it was kind of a mixture of like really wanting to connect deeper and not being satisfied with the here you you do this you go to the church and that's where you get to have your spirituality and that's it like forget all of nature <laughs> didn't work <laughs> and i know you talk about uh, there's so many different things to get into but uh, what are some of your experiences with working with like nature spirits and and things like that when and and some of your the things that you do with witchcraft and art and stuff oh so gosh so many um Part of it is you know, recognizing that you know, we consider nature spirits, right? There's like the spirits of place, which can be set to a different, you know, um, a natural location, but also it's not just out in the woods, it, where we live, like the place, the building that you live in, whether it's a house or apartment has its own kind of energy to it, right? So having a relationship with that. And a few funny um, experiences of the previous house that I used to rent where, you know, if we kind of left in disarray before we went on tour, like something major would happen and get back and like, have to sort of appease the spirits and work with that too. Um, you know, like things where the electrician came in, like there was no explanation for how this happened. It's like, there's no way, it's like I've seen all kinds of issues. I can't explain this, but we're just gonna have to fix this this way. Um, so, you know, there's that, there's the setting up for protections for your home and having seen like near misses and that relationship that happens when you really communicate with what's around you. Um, it can look out for you. It doesn't, it doesn't always have to screw you up. It can really be a help. I've had some, uh, strange experiences where I was reading some Celtic otherworldly kind of stuff about the fairy realms and stuff. And during that time I saw some beings that were in like uh, hood, hoods and very small and there was a, a, a black box. Y'all better behave over there, dogs. But, uh, and uh, a friend saw it with me as well and a cat jumped towards them and they vanished. And I thought maybe I'd brought it on from just kind of reading about that stuff or something like that. But when you work with a lot of this stuff, does anything visually ever happen or is it more of a feeling or a, a, smor a smorgasbord? Whoa, a little chihuahua. And, <laughs> I was like, hey. Oh, all the things. Uh, so some some experiences are you know more on the psychic level, where other ones are very visual. Uh, you know, I'm an artist, and so a lot of things that I get a vision of and then translate and put onto canvas, into paper, or into sculpture, or to dance, are, is one way of looking at it. Um, but they've also had experiences with entities um, such as Pan, right? Working with. Um, 
not planning on doing a working with Pan, but Pan showed up anyway, and the whole room smells like goat. Um, and you, you, know, you hear that someone came up the stairs, but nobody came up the stairs, that whole kind of uh, fun experience. Uh, that, that like, I can still go back. It's like over 20 years now, and like, I can still smell that instant and that feeling of what happened there, so. Oh, that's neat. Uh, pan goat smell. <laughs> Pan's very fascinating. For sure, I'm Capricorn, so there's weird stuff with that. But and definitely, I don't know what the little cloak beans were. It could have been aliens. It could have been freaking wee folk or whatever. I don't know what they were, but it was definitely definitely weird to say say the least. And uh, when did you start? So you do art uh, like paintings. I see the paintings behind you. It looks like a serpent, like serpents and stuff. Yep, yeah, right Serpentine. now I'm working on a, a large painting of two serpents, and there's um, one, these are kind of more sp um, spirit paintings, right, of um, an owl, and there's a hare. Um, so, you're preparing for an exhibition that's based on working with animal spirits. Cool, yeah. At first, I thought that was a gray alien, but I see now it's an owl. There's Those are actually a weird connection with those kind of uh, owls and experiences like that as well. When people wrote books and stuff about it, like symbolism and things like that. It's definitely fascinating. No doubt about it. Wham knows about owls and aliens. Hopefully she's not frozen right now, but it looks okay. like maybe. Also, can be stand-ins for aliens. I mean, I, you know, I just think of, you know, David Lynch, the owls are not what they seem, you know, so. Definitely. It's definitely interesting for sure. You get that sure. reference or you don't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> most definitely and uh so is this one how many books have you done with llewellyn's uh, so far uh let's see i have i believe it's six books that are currently in print and two decks eight nine nice could be, well, i could be missing one i know i've got then another two i think i'm up to number 11 which is coming out this summer so wow wow what what are the decks i, I like those kind of decks i collect different ones i have all kinds of weird ones I have two Oracle decks. One is called the Liminal Spirits Oracle, which is all about working with animal, plant spirits, spirits of place, and you know how to communicate and work with those. And the other one is the Anatomy of a Witch Oracle, which is based on a book that came out in um, 2021 um, about how to embody your magic. And so it's a really good tool for when you're like, hmm, what do I need to do? It feels like something's off. It can help you tap into either what's um, off in your body and your spirit, but also design spells, rituals, whatever it is that you need to do to create a shift. Definitely. And uh, sorry, my little dogs keep making noises like they're grouchy tonight for some reason, but I'm trying to mute it at the same time. Right. Little dogs oh. are kind of little dog. <laughs> yeah, they're more boisterous tonight for some reason. No doubt about it. So when you were when you got into, uh, you know, a path of witchcraft, did you find other people that were into it? Where were most of your teachers? Was it authors or did you actually meet people in your area? So um, I went to high school in South Carolina uh, in the 90s, which so that was a um, very interesting place. Uh, so I was reading about things and not really finding people who were very much interested in that um, because, you know, it's even in Columbia, it's a mix between very conservative and liberal. Um, I, I had a friend who was playing um, Vampire the Masquerade and like burned all his books and you know, like all that kind of stuff. So we're like, 
yeah, it's probably best to not be out of the broom closet here. Uh, but when I went to the Rhode Island School of Design for college, uh, I found in Margot Adler's Drawing Down the Moon, there was a wonderful list of resources of different groups and organizations, you know, send out for all the magazines. And when I got up here, I didn't quite find a group that I gelled with. So I ended up founding the first um, RISD Pagan Society, um, which then pulled into Brown and all the other um, universities and then went beyond universities, just like anybody. Uh, so it's like sort of, if you don't find if you don't find the right fit for you, you can make, you know, make the make the friends you want to see in the world. It's a very um, very much a big field of dreams person. If you build it, they will come. And the the sigils, the, the symbols, and everything. Did you come up with those for each one, or is it from somewhere else? How did you do the sigils? So the sigils are. It started off as part of my art making process of you know when I am creating a piece of artwork and sometimes I'm seeing different patterns and designs in there and I'm also wanting to set either it's with a deity or a spirit or some other entity like that conversation in there I would create sigils and a few a few years back now um, I was giving a lecture on visual alchemy this is long before the book and I was showing you know the tracing of humanity's you know exploration with art and I end with some of my own paintings that kind of talk about the process and someone's like what what is that little squiggle happening over there and I'm like that's a sigil and they're like well it doesn't look like any kind of sigil I've seen before how did you do it and I'm like I'm gonna have to get back to you because it's something that I've intuitively done for at that point you know 35 years and so I did, I deconstructed my method and then I taught it at a workshop at Pantheacon, which is a big festival in California. And folks were like, you should write a book on this. And so I did. Nice. And uh, so what are some ways, the way things are now in the world, it seems like there's a lot of anxiety and fear in the air. It just seems to get crappier almost every day on many different ways. And I've even uh, jokingly made you know, comments about foreign nations uh shooting us with satellites and stuff like that and funny enough i know when i even say that it just sounds kooky but there was a weird story on news channels about a chinese satellite and this was like a regular news channel it wasn't some crazy trumple gooch right wing crazy q whatever blah it was like a local news channel and there was really a chinese satellite that got caught shooting lasers at hawaii and it was like really i have it the video it's a real thing and i don't know if they're doing frying or whatever's with it but it was creepy it made me feel like a john carpenter movie there for a second but i'm just kind of curious what are the things with fear that you know what do you do to work on that because it seems like it's you know thicker lately for sure well the you know a craft in the situatory workshops we we uh in every single session we craft something together and so folks can find on my blog all the ones that we were creating during the pandemic because i was doing like two or three sigil witchery workshops a month virtually um, and addressing okay what are our issues and fears right now and how do we 
deal with them and crafting a symbol that people can use for meditation. And if you see on the cover of uh, Sigil Witchery is the power sigil, which is what I created in November of 2016 uh, to protect and empower all folks who, who needed it. Um, and it's still in use today by so many different people. Um, people tattooed it on themselves. You see it show up at protests and people use it to protect their bodies, uh, you know, all, all different things like that. So creating a symbol that people understand why it's being made and how to use it, uh, it's a great way to tap into that larger concept of what people are trying to solve. It's not like the drawing itself is not going to solve the problem, but us focusing and being able to kind of tune into how do we problem solve? How do we think about these things? Because anything that we do in magic, it's not like, whoo, I am, I wave my wand. It's like, if you want to, if you want to do a spell for prosperity to get a job, you still need to update your resume. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be like, oh, I just burned a green candle and I'll, you know, get a job. You might get a job, but it's probably not going to be what you want, right? You need to put the effort out into the mundane aspect of it. So being able to apply it in different ways where people can find comfort, um, to be motivated to do change, you know, all the different things that we see on a social level, uh, sigils can be really helpful with that. And is there things you do in your practice? Let's say you're having a crappy day that you might do to try to like re-energize or something like that with those or some something else? Yeah. Um, well, making art always gets me into a, a good place if I, you know, if I'm not that far gone <laughs> to do it. Uh, I also, you know, I love to shift the environment as I'm experiencing it. Um, for sometimes that's kind of cleaning things up, right, to kind of tidy it. And as I'm doing that, you put the music on, you might light a candle or burn incense, something like that. And, you know, doing something to shift the consciousness on multiple levels. So you're working with all of the senses. Um, so you can be applying a visual, you know, to that candle or inscribing it with oil on the body and doing a meditation with that too. Uh, but uh, I, I really do find like the good old elbow grease of like, if I just clean my bathroom, it will feel like a better effect on the world. I have, I have effect on this small space. And then it feels like a little more control over the world too. So it just depends on what's what's the issue. Um, if it's other people, then I go out into the woods for a while. Yeah. So what's the, the Samhain sigil? Is that the Halloween sigil? I got to ask about that. Uh, so the, the one that's, I believe that's in the visual alchemy, uh, so that was created in Florida. Uh, on tour in 2018 at a lovely shop. I think it's Dunedin, uh, Florida. And they wanted one to work with ancestors to really kind of open the door in a sacred way, kind of honoring the spirits that have passed and to communicate with them safely uh, and to use that during ritual and then close it down after the ritual. So it's it really is a connection to the other world that is safe and respectful. I'm still always trying to figure out how Sam Hain means saw win. Like, that's my Georgia for sure. <laughs> 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 but uh, so I used to say Sam Hain like a moron. Sam Hain, like Dan Sam Zig, Dan Zig Sam Sam Hain. Hain. You know, the thing is you, that means you've you've read it or whoever you heard it from read it first. You know, it's like we are always quick to say people say something wrong. It's like, well, we showed you read it. You were paying attention somewhere, you know, and the Gaelic and Celtic and various, you know, depending on where you're you know, looking at. They, they don't often make sense, especially to Americanized language um, until we know, oh, to look out for this, this combination of that. There can be hard words and then things still get Americanized. 
uh, you know, like um, Aradia. Um, you know, in Italian, it might be Aradia, but, you know, in New England, we say Aradia for the hard A. And if you go out to California, it's going to be Aradia. You know, so it's, you know, language change, but we, the, the spirits don't care. They know who you're talking about. Definitely. What about uh, death and transition sigils? Ah, so there's some really interesting ones that are included in there for like the psych, the psychopomp. Uh, so especially, um, just, I, have to, I would have to pull the belt to double check, but I think it was like 2020, 2021, where, especially at the end of 2020 and the 2021, when we were dealing with, you know, a level of death, um, a loss at a personal level for so many people and how to deal with that. And especially if we don't have our communal rituals, right? Like we, you know, we take for granted that you go to a funeral, you go to a wake, we have these memorials, you know, enabled to gather. And when you can't gather and you can't mourn that loss and it just feels like loss on top of loss, how do you cope? How do you deal with that grief? And so there's a collection of those sigils that were created to help, you know, guide, you know, not only ourselves, but to also anybody that you know, might be directing to to help um, work that energy uh, to cross over or whatever you want to use the terminology and what do you do when you actually do the, the the spell or the magic i mean you 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 obviously where do you put put the sigil you draw it on paper or what how does it work like the ritual of it uh, there's a variety of different ways and as i put in the book you know here's a few suggestions um for each one because some of them are, are better for like applying to the body and others are better for say applying to your local ballot box you know kind of like where does it need to be um you know used to to really tap into that for ourselves so if you're doing something that is a memorial right to do the song the psychopomp sigil or one of those ones for that i might set up an altar to the deceased um who might you know who who have we lost in that year um and put that on a candle and do a meditation to enact that to really um communicate if you will and it might be something that i do for a series of days um, where it's just a few moments each day to kind of touch base with that spirit, or it might be something that's part of a larger thing where a bunch of people are getting together, you know, post pandemic to be like, let's celebrate those who we've lost and acknowledge that grief. And so they might put that on a bunch of candles, but they also might put it on the floor, you know, to kind of put it on chalk or you can actually dance most of these sigils where you're thinking about the shapes and the lines and kind of move that through your body. And that can be really cleansing and amplifying if you are able to do that. Not, you know, not everybody feels like they can dance and move easily, but even just moving, tracing it with your fingers can feel um, a sense of power and engagement. And what's a psycho pump again? Pump again? I know I've heard of it, but what is that again? Uh, it's someone who guides the spirits to the next world. So that can, you know, for some people, they would say that's an angel. If you go into Greek mythology, you know, crossing the river Styx with uh, Chiron, that kind of energy in there. Um, some people see it as an animal guiding them. Some people see it as an ancestor, but it's someone who eases the process and guides into the next existence. Is that the same as a tulpa, T-U-L-P-A? I have to spell it because I don't know if I'm saying it right. But we have no, so. Um, so tulpas, uh, if, you're, if you go into the roots of that, is, is it's from Tibet. 
and is more about the concept of thought forms. So what we know as tulpas now in modern culture might not exactly translate back to the 13th century text, uh, 12th or 13th century. Uh, and it's also, we have a stepping stone in between, which was a spiritualist who was observing the Tibetans and said, ah, I think this is what it is. And then people take that information. So uh, it's more of the be able to create an entity of some sort um, people like to say kind of the create your own imaginary best friend. I think that's a little disrespectful, um, but for some people, that's a really powerful coping mechanism for them too. And that sets off a whole other thing, but we tend to see, you know, psychopop is something that you are personally connected to either through your religious beliefs or through your lineage. Um, that seeing that some, you know, when people have near death experiences and they see they, you know, oh, my grandmother was there and sitting with me and said, it's not your time. You know, that's kind of a psychopomp moment. Definitely. And what was uh, uh, the, uh, there was a, a chapter, I'm trying to find it again on slutty muses. I remember that, but what was that chapter about? <laughs> um, I asked. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good section. Um, it was just talking that with my Patreon folks the other night, um, the slutty muses. So this is the kind of the art of um, multiple discovery, which is where, you know, when you look at human civilization that the same idea pops up in different places. And, you know, some people like say, oh, well, obviously aliens visited everybody and that's how it is. But we also have a very linear way of problem solving as a humanity, you know, like cauldron. So I wrote a book on the witch's cauldron. And every civilization has some sort of cauldron because there's a need, right? We need to cook something. We need to carry something. So we're going to create some sort of vessel and then we make it to be able to withstand fire, right? To be able to do all these different things. And generally they tend to have three legs because after you experiment, you're like one leg, not so good. Two legs, definitely not so good. Four legs, not always so stable, but three, if you have to have it on uneven ground, it can be pretty stable. Uh, so it's, it's that kind of uh, exploration because we see that with trends too, right? Like it seems like even within the internet, right? That people come up with very similar ideas at the same time, which I find really fascinating. I feel like, you know, I say the slutty muses are those ideas wanting to be born and they're, they definitely be like, I'll talk to you and I'll talk to you and I'll talk to you and I'll talk to you. One of you at least will do it. And probably it's still gonna come out differently because of how human beings work that there'll still be little tweaks to it, so. What do you mean by uh, tapping into the matrix? How do the sigils tap into the matrix? <laughs> so I like to use a lot of um, media puns <laughs> in, in my titles. Uh, you know, so it kind of it does go into um, a little allusion to the matrix movies um, and all of that entails. But also, if we look at you know, some people think sigils are spirits into themselves. And I think it's more about identifying a problem, right, or a goal, which is sort of the door, right? You want to be like, this is the door I want to go through. In order for me to go through that door, I need to generate a key. And so being able to craft a key that is the solution, that's essentially what a sigil is, is at least how I view it, is that we're taking, especially these basic forms, right? The universe is made up of these same simple shapes, these, you know, dots and spirals and asterisks and all the things that we use to make language and to make alphabets and symbols that we've had for thousands of years. Putting those together is sort of a way to kind of recognize those patterns. Um, so 
that's that's how I look at it. That's the, kind of the tap into the matrix part. Ram, do you got any secret symbols you use? Who me? Yeah, secret runes. Oh, oh, I, oh, well, I, I have been, I have been working with runic sigils for, you know, thirty years. So, yeah, I mean, I have my own stuff that I do. I craft stuff for other people. I have like a whole notebook of of runic tines and bind runes and things that have come to me, you know, usually in meditation um, for specific purposes, reasons. They, they, they're, they're interesting because they always come with a little, it's like, I'll get them. It's like I, the runes sort of move. It's like, I can't really explain it. They sort of morph and, and I see them kind of three-dimensionally. I mean, most people see them like two-dimensionally, you know, but I see them like really three-dimensionally. And so when I get a tine or, you know, bind rune or something, um, I'll get like a story or a title with it. And it'll, it's, It'll come unexpected. Some of them are not necessarily like what I would come up with if someone were to say, you know, do me this, you know, because I have done um, runic stuff or sigils for people. Um, so, you know, it, and some of them are really personal to me because, I, you know, I use a lot of different runic forms when I make these I, or they come to me. I don't just stick to what's called the Elder Futhark. There are a lot of other runes out there. You know, there's there's all of the different Futharks and then there's actually um, some uh, um, Slavic, Eastern European um, runic alphabets. I mean, they were influenced to some degree by um, Germanic runes, but they're also their own thing. And they sort of, they sort of um, morph into certain Baltic forms. I mean, I'll sh I'll show you. I've, I've actually got a picture. This isn't something that I specifically did. I I know someone here in the Hudson Valley who who does these, and this is like her work. But this is similar to what I do. So hold on just a second. I got I got a picture of one over here. This is similar so what uh, this is something that she did uh, if i can get the cameras to whoop. yeah that looks cool uh, mm -hmm. and um i mean she's a she she's a better artist than i'm i'm not really an artist you know i mean uh, artists who are artists they always say things <clears> like oh <throat> everybody can do this and it's like that's crap okay not everybody can uh, but um you know, what I do is good enough. So I'm That's not neat. much of a visual artist. Don't you have like a staff or something or something that had a rune on it or something? I uh, well, I've got all kinds of things like that. But that, but those are just, yeah, I've got all kinds of stuff like that. But let me see. Hold on. I have some lapis lazuli runes I got, I think, off Amazon. They're pretty nice. Oh, come here, dude. I've got this really big one. <clears throat> This is, a, this is, again, whoops, something that this friend of mine did. Did you just call it a dude? And, and this is like a combination <laughs> of, this is like a combination of Germanic and 
cool. Scandinavian forms. And what a lot of people don't realize is that all of this stuff right here, these are all, these are all Swedish rune times. Um, and, you know, people are so used to runes looking a certain way. And this is like really Swedish right here, this whole complex right here. And this is, this is actually her, her name is Blue Raven. And this is actually a, her own sigil for herself. But, um, you, but all of this stuff here, this is like Baltic Sea stuff. So it's like a combination of runes and, and natural forms. That's, cool. That's the kind of stuff that I do. Very neat, for sure. What are some of the, the belief systems, Laura, that you incorporate into your, your path, the uh, different ones? Well, and I have, I come from a long line of people who slept with other people from different cultures. <laughs> I have, um, I'm very much influenced by um, Slavic and Mediterranean and North African um, beliefs and imageries and such, because that's, you know, what it comes to and what I've worked with. Um, and I really like going down to the, the, the root level of any particular mark, uh, because of the universality of, you know, when we look at a star, when we look at a, a plus sign, when we look at a horizontal line versus a vertical line and a diagonal line, each of these marks has an energy to them. And you feel that as you draw it, um, you know, that you don't have to be special to kind of go, okay, how does it feel when I draw a horizontal line versus off, I'm drawing up, right? How does it feel when I make a circle? And then, you know, I have a student yeah. off and like, okay, draw it in your palm, draw a spiral, spiral in, now spiral out. And it's a very subtle thing, but this is why these symbols show up again and again, these marks all over the world is because we recognize these patterns in nature and, and you know, atomic level all around us. And uh, so I love going to those, you know, very simplistic, the dots and the lines and you know they often create bigger symbols and marks right but it's like when you're starting off with what is the essence of this energy or concept i'm trying to get across they can build upon that um and like what um, lamb showed you know with the embroidery and in, in slavic and vulcan um and sorry baltic uh designs right like people think oh that's just decoration it's like no this embroidery is keeping those ideas and those concepts moving, right? And they, even though they seem simplistic, they're they're symbolic and have so much energy to them. Um, you know, <laughs> when you whether you're looking at runes or the oem um, or any other kind of system and alphabet that we have in the world, as long as somebody is familiar with what they're working with and kind of feels it intuitively, you're going to yield something that's powerful. Versus the person's like, let me Google symbols that mean this. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, here's a Japanese character. I'm sure that means exactly what I think it does according to Google. And, you know, even though you don't read, a, you know, a character of Japanese, like that's just not, that's not the way to go around it. But things that you have built a relationship with um, can be really simple and powerful at the same time. What about the uh, community sigils, a sigil to build and strengthen community? Mm -hmm. So that was created in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, it was a 2018, I think, that tour, uh, and the shop where that was that workshop was held at. Um, they were kind of they're one of the major shops in that area, and they were also home for their local pagan pride event. 
And they explained to me about their particular pagan pride is done by kind of a council of all different traditions. Uh, you know, versus like, you know, in most areas it's like, oh, here is the, um, you know, the dapper Druids are doing, you know, hosting pagan, like this particular group or temple or church, right? So instead they're pulling people from different traditions to make a most inclusive pagan pride. And for that, they really want to tap into that community strength and build mutual respect between all of these different traditions. And so that was the initial concept for it. And that's something that can be applied for any area where you've got different groups, you know, where you want to work together for a common cause, um, whether it's for environmental reasons or political reasons, you know, all these different things, you can use that sigil to pull people together and kind of unify the concept and give them a basis to be like, all right, remember, we're in this for a bigger picture rather than just our individual needs. It's what do we create as a community? And how is this book connected with the sigil witchery, the, the other book? They're connected, right? They, they seem like it. Yeah, they, they are definitely siblings and they, they are the, the same shape. <laughs> Right. They are both squares, um, so they have that. No, they have that in common. But it's a little more visual alchemy is more than sigil witchery 2.0. It is refining sigil techniques. So in the first book, I really tap into the language of the marks and how to do the method, and then you're kind of getting a design school education for free. <laughs> <laughs> for a lot less um, in visual alchemy because thinking about, all right, how how is symmetry important with this sigil? How do you asymmetry is going to be more important? How do you simplify things? Because when people are starting out, they tend to want a kitchen sink, you know, a design and put everything in there. And if you need hundreds of people to redraw a sigil, it can't be that complicated. So there's guidance on that. But it's also going in depth into how humanity has developed as a civilization because of art and recognizing that regardless of how we see ourselves, we can tap into the, 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 the benefits of art in many different ways. And so it's using that to consider not just sigils, but how do you craft a ritual? How do you work and collaborate with other people using art? And then you've got the archive of over the 50, um, 50 shared magic sigils that also work as great examples because you can see not only what the sigil is, but I give you all of the information about what went into it and then how to use it. Um, and then also how might you want to modify that? And pretty much all the questions that people have asked me over teaching, you know, sigil witchery for hundreds upon hundreds of times now, it seems like, uh, you know, thousands of people, you know, you kind of pick up what are people's most problematic, um, problematic issues or questions and solving those in the book. I keep seeing the word liminal come up with your oracle and other book. What's liminal mean? Liminal? Liminal is in between. And so it's the in-between space. Uh, so the Weave the Liminal is about crafting an authentic practice for yourself. And I look at witchcraft as, as weaving, right? Being able to uh, see all of us as threads and that we're creating patterns together, that we're interweaving our experiences. But also as a witch, we're dealing with the seen and unseen worlds, right? What is physical, what is metaphysical? Um, so liminal exists in that space of really not quite here, not quite there. It's sort of existing in between all of this. Uh, so kind of, you know, you might have heard the ritual expression, you know, in a place that is not a place and a time that is not a time. That's a very kind of liminal concept. 
You have a peacock card? Is that a peacock? It looks like one in the liminal deck. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the little mandrake and the peacock. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Those are not, that's all your art, right? Yes. That's, that's cool. That's cool. I see the mushrooms and stuff. Very neat, for sure. I've had some weird experiences with what I would think would be those kind of uh, like fairy kind of spirits. Like there was one time there was some strange silver lights in the trees out in the yard. And it was almost like there was Christmas lights on them, but there was not. And I had to go out like, look, is there a cord out here? And I and it wasn't, it was weird. Like I'm not sure what it was. Like, it wasn't uh, glow bugs or fireflies or it was just a weird experience, but I'd also seen around that time those small little weird hooded beings <coughs> around a black box that the cat jumped at and they vanished. And uh, I know at that time I'd been messing around and reading Celtic otherworldly kind of stuff and things like that. And there's a lot of ties to that stuff with the UFO phenomenon, uh, fairy abductions from back in the day and, you know, from modern day abduction and stuff. Has para I know you said you had some interest in the strange and unusual. Is that para have you had some paranormal experiences? Any big ones you want to share? Uh, oh. <laughs> um, most of would probably go into that realm is with hauntings. Um, it seemed to have uh, up until up until about this house of so this house has a little bit of a weird thing to it as well but particularly back in college um, where i was living in buildings that were quite old you know it's, it's early part of rhode island you know so we're going 1800s and so uh so you've had a lot of history in those buildings and you get a lot of interesting types of um we say the broad spectrum of hauntings right from like the psychic repeats you know, where something's on a loop and it's just, it's created a pattern and doesn't interact with you in any sort of way, but you, you see something, you know, like a cat that goes across, you know, you don't have a cat, but there's the cat, you know, going through, or you wake up and feel it jump on the bed and you don't have a cat or a dog, you know, that kind of thing, or the cat's already on the bed and you're like, is there two now <laughs> you know, type of thing. Uh, so there's that kind of entity to um, the kind of more interactive kinds, uh, which you know, lived in a place in um, in the late 90s where you just got an unsettling feeling in the basement, uh, which you're like, yeah, sure, basements. I and mean, we used to joke that, you know, because it's Providence and, you know, HP Lovecraft and all that, it's like just add water and you get Cthulhu, you know, <laughs> kind of emerge out of this basement because it just had that kind of not so great feeling. And so I always protected and warded that apartment, but the people above us had more phenomenon. They felt like somebody was coming up the stairs. Um, and I actually, after we moved out, a professor who knew the people who moved in was like, did you have these experiences in your apartment while you were there? And like, no, but that's the same thing that was happening to the people above us, uh, where they felt a big threatening presence and things were moving around and things like that. So it's like protections, they work. <laughs> Definitely. And I always wonder about the theory about your, your ghost clothes. Like if you, the clothes you die in, is that your ghost clothes forever? Or do you get a wardrobe and things like that when, you know, ghosts appear in civil war outfits or, or whatever they're wearing. Right. And especially like, is that the traumatic point of like, is it on repeat or yeah. Do you, and you know, for people who are like, Oh, I saw my grandmother, but like not when I ever saw her, but like when she was in her thirties, even though like you didn't exist then. Like, so it's like, do you get to pick that time? 
Um, yeah, that's it's such a fascinating whole area to you know pick apart because there's not just one thing. It's like yeah, ghosts. Like no, it's it's a spectrum of experiences. Yeah, we've done some shows on the Civil War battlefields and the stuff that happens there. That gets pretty weird, where you hear like gunshots and weird stuff, and mm -hmm. you know, things, strange things like that on Civil War battlefields. That was fascinating. Uh, I may have been a little long book. I'd have to look it up. But so, uh, what are your plans in the future, book-wise? Anything you can talk about that you want to conquer in the future? Uh, so the next book that comes out is Gemini Witch, which is part of a series that Llewellyn's put out with um, co-author Evo Dominguez Jr., which so it's all the sun signs and one witch from every sun sign um, co-wrote the book with Evo. And so I'm a Gemini. I got to write the Gemini book that comes out this summer. Uh, I'm currently also working on a tarot deck um, that's in the developmental stages, as well as another secret project or two. Um, but uh, mainly right now I'm diving into artwork and kind of just enjoying make art, worry about words later. <laughs> After 11 books, you're like, yeah, it's a good time for a break. Is there like uh, conventions and stuff you go to with uh, like witches go to, like big conventions? Like we have UFO ones, which I never go to those. I'm afraid to go to them. Too many weird stuff there, but uh, <laughs> men in black. But <laughs> but is there like conventions and stuff where y'all meet up with all that, or like with it a pagan or different ones? Yes, uh, my favorite are the ones that are the indoor ones, the ones that happen at hotels because there's plenty of camping festivals, and I am not much of a camper, <laughs> especially if I have to teach and perform and bend. It's like, please give me indoor plumbing and a shower <laughs> and a nice comfy bed. Uh, but the first one that's coming up in March is uh, Paganicon, which is in Minneapolis um, in Minnesota. And I think this is their 11th, to me, 11th or 12th year. The, the pandemic screwed up because we had one virtual year in there and a hold, you know, that kind of thing. But that's a fantastic event because you have all different paths um, coming together and you've got rituals and workshops, performances, you know, community hospitality suites. Another one's coming up in Maryland in April is Between the Worlds and Sacred Space, which is a double header convention. And so every few years they get together instead of um, having two conventions competing, they team up, which is a great way of doing it. So I think it's April 6th through the 9th. And then down your way in July is Mystic South. Uh, I think this is going to be their fourth year. And that's just outside of Atlanta or it's um, in the Atlanta circle of things. And that's another great one with you know academic papers, but also different kinds of workshops and vending, like all, all of the good stuff. So folks who are interested in it, definitely those are kind of my, um, they're off. On my list, and then you know, then there are like the tarot and the oracle conferences and, and all those different things. So you can think of it, there's there's a convention for it. Nice. Have you ever been to that Necronomicon one? That was a Necronomicon or something I've seen. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's up there. Yeah, I'm probably gonna go to that this year. Sounds interesting. Uh, the next one is in 2024. They do it um yeah. about every two years. So there was one this past summer. Um, and that tends to happen in Providence here in August. And um, that's, a, that's a pretty neat event too. Like, so if you really want to get into the different types of the dark horror literature, um, the, the graphic novel aspect of it, um, my partner and I have performed at the Eldridge Ball where I'm doing dance and he's doing violin. So we've had those kind of performances too. So it's a little bit of everything. Um, nice. 
that's you know it's really really nice group of people too so if it's it's a little it's a little warm for august but it's also new england so the weather will change in five minutes <laughs> does he play like dark violin music i like that yeah uh so my partner is nathaniel johnstone so folks can um google his stuff but he does um all sorts of amazing violin work as well as he's got songs that he sings with guitar and accompaniment. we have we have several band projects uh, and that explores the mythic and he's got some that are silly songs and then i write a few songs that are a little more dark and spooky <laughs> i don't sing though nobody wants me to sing and i found his site nathanieljohnstone.com uh, right yep cool what is your your website or any links you'd like to give out uh, so my, my main author website is lauratempestzacroft.com and that will get you pretty much to all the other little social media sites, including my shop where my art's at, my Patreon, all that kind of good stuff. So as long as you get all three words in there and spell my last name correctly, it'll get you there. And uh, you ever messed around with those Necronomicon symbols <laughs> on that assignment paperback? <laughs> I, I have, but in stupid ways just drawing them and stuff like that we i know there's a lot of controversy with peter lavinda we've had him on being simon and stuff which supposedly was part of that but there's it's more kind of complex but that book always creeps me out in those symbols and a lot of them do look like the like the maybe uh symbols of solomon or something in opium and kind of stuff like that or or i think they're borrowed from different things but either way for some reason that book may be fiction but it's just something creepy about it creeps me out and i think it's got something to do like there's some in one of those books there's this weird son of sam ufo like story in the introduction that's weird i don't i'd have to look again but i probably won't because that book creeps me out but there's a uh, i have them somewhere but uh but there's some weird story about like a ufo sighting and son of sam like i don't know how the hell that ties in but i remember some weird like in the introduction or something crazy but uh the, it's an interesting book but that that and donald tyson i have his oracle dig up oh, one's creepy it's a necronomicon like tarot <laughs> you're like afraid to use it almost <laughs> that's kind of like uh i kind of compare the me messing around with the mabus name you know nostradamus antichrist oh, no one knows what it means nostradamus never says that uh john ho the white dude made a documentary and said that like in the 80s and everybody believed it but but that name is kind of like messing around with that like necronomicon to me in a lot of ways the foolish bruce campbell situation right <laughs> the fool but uh well it's been great having you on and uh we appreciate it where's the best place to get your book well, uh, I always recommend local shops I and mean, Llewellyn is carried everywhere. So if you can support your local shop, um, your local indie bookstore or wood shop, that's the best way. Uh, I offer, also offer through my website if people want a signed copy. And then if they, you know, if you don't have a local wood shop, then there is the internet, you know, either Llewellyn.com or the Big A. And I look forward to the, the tarot you're doing. I know the little one has that always free online tarot. I used to use that all the time. I still use it once in a while. But they used to have this cool King Arthur one up there. And I had to rebuy that set. I forget. It's called Legend or something. That's one of my favorite decks. Yeah. Yep. It's out of print now. Yeah, I know. I had it, but something happened to it. And I had to go try to find another one. I had to pay something stupid for it. But I did it. It was, it was a while back. But I love that deck. It's a good one for sure. 
the Merlin and all the stories and the, the weird, you know, the map with the tree of life and all that stuff. It's really a good one. But yeah, keep us in the loop on your tarot. We appreciate it. And thanks so much. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Y'all have a great weekend. All right. Take care. All righty. Let's see. You're listening to United Public Radio 107.7 FM, New Orleans. And uh, let's see. We got uh, Bobby Dizzle coming up next. And uh, for the second hour, we were on Roku. Like, we got to test it. We were on it at some point. You got, we got what? We got what? Roku. That's that thing. Yeah, I know know what it is. We're on the networks on Roku now. Oh, really? So, yeah, we were on there. And there's, you have to do some other stuff to be on there. It's kind of a pain in the butt to figure it out. But uh, but we, we there was like everybody got a test show and it did go across there. I don't know how good it did or whatever. But uh, and who? Okay, yeah, I gotta ask Stephanie about next week. She wants to sit in. That's up to her, of course. I'm going to go to the bathroom while we're while we've got. Alrighty. If on. while you're here, if I say cantaloupe, that means I need to go. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where's our bathroom break? I'm going on a strike. But uh, I'm kidding. Uh, but oh, coming up. Oh, we'll talk about this when Wham comes back. Uh, let me go ahead and get uh, Bobby here. How's it going, Bobby? Ready to rock. Okay? Lock, cock, right. and ready to rock. That's right. Rock and roll it. Get you it got ready. some fresh coffee here. That's right. That's the way to go. I have to be careful with coffee lately. Next time, the medicinal and coffee at the same time does stuff to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old, forty-eight. But uh, sadly, sadly, I can't go near the medicinal. Yeah, it depends on the different ones, you know. There's indica that's more calm, but even some of those will kind of mess with you. Mm-hmm. Those sativas, gotta be careful with those for sure. I can't believe Alabama just got medicinal. Wow, I'll never, I'll never be able to use it. That's where uh, I live. The, is it? Oh, just mm-hmm. your state and everything. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I work I'm, for I work for the army, so I can't use it. Oh, not okay. Till it's, not till it's not unless it gets federally legalized. Sad. That may happen one year. So what do you do? Maybe. <laughs> but what do you do with the army? I'm a I'm a network engineer, IT guy. Network engineer, nice. Mm-hmm. It's boring. It's real. What do you do? Like just do computer stuff all day? Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, I kind of do these um, video teleconferences like this. I set them up. For like yeah. army people, mm-hmm. so it's, this is kind of what I do for a living. I'm kind of into it. Nice. I just get kind of I get kind of bored with the subject matter a lot of the times because it's just like I don't, don't care. Yeah, is it they use Streamyard mostly or different ones? No, no, they use they use different, more high speed stuff. Does uh, the video quality is just as good on Streamyard? They just talk about like boring stuff. They don't ever talk about like Chinese balloons or aliens. Well, I can't say I can't say if they did. <laughs> That's confidential. But most of, most of it is very boring. Like we always make a we always make a joke that you could put a gun to our head and we couldn't tell you what they told us. Still we just we just make sure it works. We don't care what they're talking about most of the time. Yeah. So how long have you been doing your podcast? I started in 2019, but I've taken two really long breaks. In April and October of 2022, I really kicked it up in like in the high gear. Okie dokie. All right, so, there's uh, Wham. She's back. There she is. 
Whammy. And, uh, Whammy. And you know, know, you know Wild Trees? Is that is that mm-hmm. he's been on he, a few times? He was I was on a panel with him back a year or so ago and just kind of got introduced to his whole his whole uh, friends group and that's where I kind of I kind of just leached off them and using using that to get get my guests and everything the connections and networking. Nice. I call him my pseudo co-host. <laughs> Cuz every time I do one I send him a calendar. I said if you come on here, I said I want you on all you can but you don't have to. He was on one last night with me. It was amazing. Wild trees was yeah, about dinosaurs. Nice. A, I know that's what I was telling Wham. For some reason, every time he's on, we get a ton of crap load of hits on his shows. It's like and uh, it's it's happened like twice in a row. I really like him. Yeah, he, it's I like the animal talk. That's it's he, hard to come by, so I love it. He and I got invited up to Minnesota to a Bigfoot sighting, and I'm in Alabama, and he's in uh, Texas, and that's just that's like the other side of the world for me. Just to go to Plum to Canada because I'd have to take a week off work. It'd be a it'd be a thing. I would and love I, to go because that guy's legit. I've been hearing stuff around. What state are you in again? Alabama. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't See realize. My head I, here. I, I, I saw that at some point. I just forgot. But uh, that's uh, well, I'm right near Dothan, so I'm like Graceville. Oh, are you? It's like line on the line. Yeah. And uh, the, you sound kind of like it. The Baptist College, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Georgia originally, and then they came down here. But I've lived in Alabama before. But we're right across from this Baptist College. It's kind of weird. They have like this churchy radio show. They probably don't even know I do this radio show across the street from them. We probably creep them out. <laughs> Should get but, them in uh, there. Yeah, Baptist <laughs> are fun. They come get me and lynch me. No, I'm just kidding. But they have this cool place with all these old churches that they brought from like. And it's this weird like village and I go there and sit me and Christina and uh, supposedly like there was some weird massacre with the Indians and the, the priests there or something weird. It was creepy. It's kind of neat. But they these out. people are weird. They will. There was like this nice yuppie house. I wouldn't say it was a mansion, but it was nice. They move houses like it's nothing like they take them apart like they did it with these churches and brought them in from old different places like. There's like a butter churning thing and like some weird school building that looks like Little House. I call it mm-hmm. Little House on the Prairie. But these people, they take crap apart like a whole house and move it. I guess I know it has to take a while to do, but it's like this nice house and it's gone. It's like they just take it apart and move it. Seems like that'd be a pain in the ass <laughs> on so many different levels. That sounds, a, that sounds a little strange. Yeah, it is a little weird, mm. but they had this big, nice it's weird. I don't know what the hell they do. <laughs> Something going on over there. But uh, so, what kind of subjects do you do? I know you do Bigfoot, which I definitely want to get into that. I love mm-hmm. it anytime we can talk about that. But you do other stuff too, right? Yeah. So, I started a podcast. I called it The Podcast for People That Love Podcasts. And to me, a podcast is conspiracy, it's true crime, it's paranormal, and it's rabbit holes, no matter what they're about. So, I started off with friends from back home because I'm from Scottsboro. So I had just small towns. Everybody knew everybody. I just started getting interesting people I went to high school with. And then we did movies and it kind of, and more and more the paranormal kind of filtered in. That's how, that's why I just kind of do a lot more paranormal, strange science kind of stuff. And you had a story I saw recently about someone that, what was it, a Bigfoot and a shooting or something? Oh, I yeah, 1982. Like... That was insane. What guy from that? 1982. I think it was in Vermont in 82. He was sitting in a tree stand and saw a Bigfoot run out, grab a deer, grab its neck, and shake it 
and killed it one hand. Wow. Yeah, it was intense. That, that's definitely a, a big one for sure. I just scour the internet for people, and he ended up being one of them. You ever get any dog man, or is it usually just Bigfoot? Like, mm-hmm. I got a, I got a dog man guy, uh, Ryan Paul Tremblay. You may have heard of him, Monster Radio. Yeah, I've yeah, him on Facebook. Yeah, he's a cool cat. I need to get him on sometime. I've been meaning to. I always share yeah. stuff. He shares cool stuff. Well, what is this Erica Luke's debunking Skinwalker Ranch? What was that? That's kind of a big oh, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had her on. She was on the, the panel the panel show with uh, Wild Trees okay. with uh, Black Lotus that disbanded a couple of months ago. And yeah. the Skinwalker, I just kind of reached out to her. And I didn't know that she was kind of on the debunking side of it. She was a real good interview. I mean, if you want her on, she's she is not hokey at all. Real real fun chat. I, it was, I told her it was a breath of fresh air because I've been fed UFOs and Bigfoot for three months, and I said it's like a palate cleanser. It's like I took some of that uh, sorbet in the middle of a meal. <laughs> so what does she think? She think it's all crap. I mean, it's got to be something. She kind of does. Right she's now. a uh, she's a member of Mufon, so she's not she's not a strictly a skeptic of hundred percent of the stuff. Obviously, if you're Mufon. Yeah. But she does think Skinwalker's a bit of a bit of a racket. So it's it's an interesting take she has on it. I think I it's a bit of a racket too, frankly. Yeah, but. there's it has racket potential. I mean, I'm I'm I live really close to where Travis Taylor, the host of that show, lives. So I'm, I really, I've always liked him. So I don't I don't speak ill of the Skinwalker. But I tweeted that episode on Twitter, and uh, Travis Taylor actually responded. I'm like, please don't hate me, man. I was like, I just <laughs> be my friend. Don't. All of a sudden, I'm like, she, she didn't mean it, I promise. She didn't mean it. I think there's some things there, but, I mean, who's to say they don't just add some crap for the hell of well, it? You know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's got Zach Bagan elements to nice. it, no matter which way you split it. And uh, definitely uh, interesting. I just had uh, Mark Muncy on, and I've uh, hung out with uh, Stacy Brown. And, you know, are you familiar with Stacy Brown and Bigfoot and all that in this mm-hmm. area? I- I've probably uh, reached out to her. Yeah, it's it's a dude. He he's a uh, oh, he's a yeah he's a uh, he's been on finding Bigfoot. But he, in Alabama? Uh, no, he's in the Panhandle, of Florida. Him and his dad okay. got some infrared of a Bigfoot, and it like was big. Like they got I'm it out in the backyard. Yeah, he's a uh, he's in the Panhandle. Uh, but S T A C Y Brown, and he is on my uh, my Facebook. But supposedly. The dogs are acting kooky tonight. We're fixing to beat them with a freaking wet towel. They don't stop it. Like they're being little jerks. My chiropractor did that to me. She said it was. I paid sixty bucks for it. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, supposedly all these people, there are some skinwalker type uh, ranches here in the Panhandle mm-hmm. that they're dealing with and going to, and they're keeping it on the on the quiet. They really are. I've heard about those more than once, even before I started all this. People reporting them, and uh, you never, I never could find anything about it. I just heard that they was a skinwalker, uh, you know, a skinwalker, a skinwalker light, skinwalker light, skinwalker like place in Florida, and it had big wolves and things, just like out there. Skinwalker, skinwalker light. Yeah, I couldn't say. I, I was trying to say light, like. I, I know. It just. It's just funny. It's like. What would that be? <laughs> well, apparently there was like big, big wolves, just like the ranch out west. 
They won't tell us where they are either. And the people won't let them tell anyone. They want, they, they're trying to do it anonymously, which kind of sucks. But I'd like to there know where they are. There could be portals and, portals and fan spots in the veil everywhere. Yeah, I might have to interrogate someone to find out the location. But I don't know if I'm up for that. But <laughs> I like hearing <laughs> the trying. stories. I don't know if I want to go yeah. get uh, shadow people attachments or anything. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's the main reason we do this show is because we had weird stuff happen to us. My situation, which I've told so many times it, it annoys me, is uh, testicular cancer when I was 17. Then a year or so later, my dad died, and I started to have a lot of weird stuff happen. Beings of light leaving my house, UFOs over my house, uh, seeing some weird beings, uh, different mm -hmm. types. And uh, I don't know if I've ever been abducted. If so, they've brainwashed me, I mean, or whatever, wiped me like an idiot, because I don't remember ever being on any ships or They'll anything. I know, I believe it. I mean, I wonder sometimes. I've had them over the house and at different locations very low, and it's like, is that here for me? And friends have been like, Jeffrey, you're attracting them here. <laughs> and uh, I wonder, you know, there are some situations. It's possible, now, but I don't want to think about it. <laughs> when that happened, did you, uh, I'm going to, I'll ask sensitive questions. I'm not being insensitive. When that happened, when you had that sickness, did you happen to die at any time or did you get a head trauma? I, uh, not a head trauma, but it spread to my stomach and lungs and just had to go through the chemo and stuff. Yeah, usually, right? usually when that, when you get that trauma induced sensitivity, to the other side it happens because you need to get a head trauma or you you uh you pass away and get revived but that well, they, I, you know that's just another symptom i guess they cut off a meatball they took a meatball. yeah i mean that'll do it that's it's definitely like head I, trauma if you know what, what i'm I saying call Odin's eye. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. i mean i'm not i'm not it's making light of what happened to you by really. any means oh I i'm not making light i'm i'm so I'm just, used to making light of it and making jokes about it. it's how i deal with it <laughs> I'm, surveying, I'm surveying the area See, I take uh, mental notes to get uh, patterns and stuff. Nice. I'm not like an investigator, but I'm t I put them together in my head. I do believe suffering opens your senses. Mm -hmm. There's no, no I, doubt about that for sure. I'm, it's 100%. The people I've talked to, one one had meningitis that shut off his sensitivity. And another guy I know had a, a, um, hit by an IED over in Iraq. Had a hit, metal plate put in his head. Instant Bigfoot sightings all the time. Wow. And there's several other ones I've heard. And one guy, uh, who was it that died for a couple? Um, almost said the F word. I gotta, I gotta breathe in, breathe in. Yeah, yeah. Do uh, not say yeah. the F word. <laughs> I know, I know. We've, even, we've even done it by accident. <laughs> he told me, uh, uh, what is his name? Vincent Richardson, uh, Phantoms and Monsters Radio. He yeah. died when he was young, and so that's when his his started. <clears throat> There's something to it. Yeah, it's like they can came back, you've been through that suffering and mm -hmm. show themselves to you more or something. Uh, I think it kind of opens it up. It kind of like short circuits. It makes the, uh, like it's like scar tissue, primordial scar tissue or whatever. I don't know. So what's going on with all that you hear? Any, uh, you can't probably talk about it, maybe. Anything <laughs> going on with these these balloons? Like I saw Biden said something about, the, apparently there was the Chinese balloon, which was some spying <laughs> crap. But then he's saying like the other three aren't spying apparatus or whatever. Like they're not really saying what the other. Like there was a bunch of them. Well, so, one well, was I, think, a, uh, I think one of them was like a school project yeah, that sprayed over the Yukon and got shot down. So it was an Illinois uh, a science club that had yeah had had scientific because uh, you can make those out of iPhones and Pelican cases. Yeah, I think that's probably what it was. 
But as far as anything sinister, the only thing I've heard is the things that everybody else says is the Navy's been the Navy and the Intel's been track knows they happen. They just happen to start mentioning them now for whatever reason. Like they've always so, been there. Yeah. And then uh I know it was weird Russia announced they shot down one too before all that happened. It's, it's the cool thing to do now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now Russia Russia had one like eight days before. Yeah. Like when you it, search the after that Chinese one went over, when you search for shot down, it was just all the Russian story until ours took over. That was kind of weird though. It's like they just started doing like the flexing, we're shooting down UFOs, like they're bragging to each other now or something. <laughs> I'll be hundred percent honest. I do not I don't watch news. I hear things from sources like our shows here and various podcasts and this one radio show I listen to. But I can't hand I can't handle news. So I just you know, I listen to the details and if one sounds interesting, I'll dig into it to not get the biased view of it. Yeah. But I can't some of it's like just so sensationalized it hurts hurts my brain. It's just parasitical. And tabloids yeah. tabloid. Yeah, I don't I don't tend to listen to American news very much. Because it's just too weird. So it's like sometimes you get more information, unless it's like a local station. Yeah. Like if there's, like I always look at the headlines to see if there's any, you know, just to see like what's being peddled. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then, and then, I, and then sort of I, I do, I do I keep track of the AP and the Reuters feed because they, because they throw up all kinds of stuff. You know, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's, they just, you know, and it's not just headliney stuff. It's all kinds of stuff. I hear if you listen to Australian news, it's real accurate to what's going on over yeah, here. Yeah, well, I listen to I listen to lots of different countries. You know, um, you know, almost any anything that has something in English, uh, and and actually, I can, you know, if 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 there there are some European um, mm -hmm. websites that are pretty good that have stuff in that are bilingual, you know, mm -hmm. and then, um, um, but you know, I, I, if, if, if there's like a story in the United States, what it, and it looks interesting, I'll actually go to the regional and local news in that area mm -hmm. to see what they say, because a lot of times you'll get more information that way. Um, but it depends. You get the, you, the nationally spun part will be out of the out of the picture. Yeah. That's the part that's toxic. Nationally spun. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. The, well, the well, the you know the the com the big commercial stations. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell and, my friends the only time I watch news is during a tornado day. Oh well, um, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey well, knows about those. That was yesterday. Yeah. Well, you yesterday. know, I, I grew up in Kansas, so I know about tornadoes too. But tornadoes in Kansas? I didn't know they got those out there. <laughs> Being a Wizard of Oz, okay. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not in Kansas now. I'm not in Those Kansas. Those are panty <laughs> So, have you personally had any weird experiences or not yet, or you'd like to? Or, um, I would like to. I don't want them in my house, and so I tread lightly. Mm -hmm. Uh, my the parent, I, I, I definitely have not had any like straight up. I saw this, this happen. I'm very sensitive to uh, angel numbers. And signs of that nature, I've started being able to pick those out, but that's about the extent. I'm I'm sensitive to signs. I'm sensitive to uh, how to ask for things from the universe, such as prayer. I mean, I believe in prayer works, but not like a wish, like some people think it does. 
So like seven, seven, it's seven, not, or four, four, it's four. Not, it's not like a slot machine. <laughs> no, you, you always see the send more thoughts and prayers. I'm like, that's not what I'm like. I understand that and it seems desperate when you put it like that, but there is there's a process to it. But like I have my own angel numbers, and if I see it in a certain order, I, I it's it's pretty accurate too, because I can almost tell like when I start seeing my angel number a lot, in and within within a short span, I'm like, what is about to happen? And sure enough, something always happens. What is your angel number? What is it? I'm not, not going to say it. You can't say, say it. your angel number. You can't. I don't think. Number. I don't know if you can or not. I told one person one time, and me and him are not friends anymore. And okay, I don't know if don't it's because I did that. It's, you don't have to tell me. It's okay. But I'm telling My, you, I don't. I don't know the process of discovering it. I don't know how I found it out. But looking back, a book, a numerology book. My mom always gives people. I yeah. forget the name of it. Dude, it's it's creepy. When I first discovered that this number was on everything that has significant in my entire life, my grandparents' phone numbers had it in it. My wife's phone number had it in it. And just it's everywhere. And like I took a I took a giant pay cut one time and I was like worried to death I was about to lose my house or something. And all of a sudden I got an offer. That was the number. It's like what the absolute hell is going on? Does it got to do with your birth date and stuff? It's not like eleven eleven. No, stuff. it's, it's a random number. It's nothing. It's not a sequence. Like, but like, I'll see that number with a number next to it, like like XX seven, and I'll I'll go. I'll look at this. You can go to. There's several. You probably know this. There's several sites where you can check out angel numbers, yeah, and their meaning. Like there's uh sun sunscribes and sun signs. There's there's three or four on top of Google. It'll give the significant, and some it'll be like financial stability and fa- your priorities, your family, and your plans will exceed. And sure enough, one time, one time, the angel number I got was that my plan, would, my intention would be granted, but not in the way I wanted it to. And sure enough, something I've been worried about uh, got solved, but it got solved in a really weird way. But it's like you take the take a pig trail to get to the same place. <coughs> it's crazy. I mean, it may be total coincidental. It may just be what happens in life, but from what I've noticed, it is, it's crazy accurate and I can almost like bank on it. If it, if it appears in a certain situation, it's going to be very interesting as the turnout. Is there any particular uh, people that get into that subject that you read or? No, I just started noticing. There used to be that Doreen Virtue lady, but she went kind of kooky and, and don't do it anymore and like renounce it all or something. I, I asked. I asked a couple of uh, psychics I had on my show about it. And they say it is true. If you identify it, then they really start pouring it on. Cause then they start, it becomes like a little, like a connected dots for life. Cool. But I, I just started noticing it like stuff and some, and they don't, they don't, it doesn't stay the same all the time. But if you start noticing a number out of the ordinary that happens all the time, you can look at that and what that means. And sure enough, it'll, it'll pop out. One time I saw it in a movie when I was freaking out about something going wrong, I saw this number in a movie that I'd been, that I'd been seeing a lot. And sure enough, the, the issue was solved for the next couple of days. Like something told me to watch that movie and it popped on there on a license plate from Berlin. Yeah. 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 Well, see, see, that's, 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 that's how, that's how reality is signaling itself to you. You know, they it's call insane. That, that creeped me out. You know, that's, that's the yeah. day. That's, that's the first day it hit me really strong. And then I started following it. Yeah, see what what happens with me is that I'll have dreams. I'll have dreams and 
sometimes I'll remember them when I wake up and sometimes I'll, or sometimes I'll wake up and I'll instantly forget them. You know what I mean? It, it depends. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes I'll write them down um, if I remember them. And then it, now this doesn't happen all the time, but it, it happens a lot um, that later on in the day or the week or the month or sometimes several months later, um, something will happen that will be exactly what mm-hmm. I dreamt. And I mean, like, sometimes down to fine detail and um and in the event that i didn't remember the dream that's when i will experience what some people call a deja vu Mm -hmm. um but what's weird about those deja vus is that they always come with like a time stamp like i'll re i'll remember part of the deja vu will be that i remember that i'll remember exactly when i dreamt it you know like it'll say Mm -hmm. six months ago three weeks ago you know something like that and sometimes the information is just useless you know i mean in the sense that it's not like it's it's not like valuable it's just like a signal for me like um what and this started way back in high school like i remember i mean and i graduated from high school over 40 years ago you know, um, one of the most striking instances I ever had was that I dreamt this song. I dreamt like, I don't know, it was like maybe the first two or three stanzas of this song. Mm -hmm. And I actually wrote the song out. I mean, I actually wrote the lyrics out and put them in like a notebook. And it was, I don't know, it was like a year or two later that I heard that song with those exact lyrics, mm-hmm. like to the and th- and they hadn't been released yet. When I'd had the dream, this was a they were Jeth- it was a Jethro Tull song. It was the song "Thick as a Brick," which I don't know if either of you are familiar with. But um, I thought you were going to say Jeremiah was a bullfrog. No, 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 no. I've no. heard of Jethro Tull. Mm-hmm. It, it, I've heard of him. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, well, this is this is like one of their classic albums, "Thick as a Brick," and. Uh, um, like it, and the reason it was it was important was is that the second it's it's on a vinyl you know it's on an LP a vinyl mm-hmm. LP and this and the second side of the vinyl LP the entire that entire side is one song. It's like really? one one composition that's like you know twenty five minutes long, and but it's got there's a whole bunch of stuff in the middle of it, but at the beginning and end of it there is this song that sort of this 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 melody with stanzas that sort of act as bookends, you know what I mean? On, you know, they begin and Mm -hmm. end the composition. And that was what I, that's what I dreamt. And it, it's, it's bizarre. It's like, I mean, we're talking word for word, like two of the, the opening stanzas. What does that mean? (laughs) I mean, and, and the melody, I mean, it's like when I first heard it, I recognized, I was like, and I remember I, I, I went and I, when I heard it and kind of freaked out, I went and I looked at what I'd written and it was exactly the same. And I was just like, how did mm-hmm. I know this? You know, what is that about? Makes you wonder how muses work. Yeah. It's very strange. If, it, if you didn't get some uh, feedback or crosstalk. Well, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the only thing I could think of was that maybe, maybe I dreamt it at the time when he wrote it, you know, or, or was recording it or 
something. That's kind know? of the plot of Back to the Future, isn't it? With the Chuck Berry song, Johnny Be Good? Yeah, sort of. Because your kids are going to love this. <laughs> he holds the phone up. Muses, the first hour of the show, too. So yeah. The Muses are out tonight. That movie Dogma. I love the movie. The Muse. Oh, oh, oh that's a great, that's a great movie. <laughs> you know what's funny is I'm, I'm a cradle Catholic. I'm still Catholic, and I love that movie. And everybody's like, "How can you like it?" I said, "Dude, it's funny. I mean, it's." And I'm I've seen Kevin Smith live. I just I I love it. Do you ever see Tusk? Tusk. <laughs> Kevin Smith. Uh, oh movie. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell was he smoking during that one? That was <laughs> crazy. <laughs> It turns a dude into a walrus. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I want to watch it again. But I saw it once. I think you should, <laughs> especially on the uh, in in Indica. Yeah, 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 and yeah. The, the red, what was the one? Red state, and it was uh, that was kind of crazy and political weird he did. I, I don't weird. want I don't want to change the subject, but when you when you were talking a while ago, I remembered something else paranormal adjacent that happened to me. Okay. Have you ever? Have you ever gone down the rabbit hole of the Randonautica back in 2020? Mm-mm. The random, it, it was a, um, oh yeah, it was an app that would give random coordinates based on intention. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I never, myself never did it. But yeah, I had, it- I had two weird things happen. It, and it's the creepiest thing if you can do it and you got to, because we're way out in the sticks, sort of. And so if, if it gives us a little point, we can actually go to it. Sometimes it's on a private property if you're. Right, because where I live now in the suburbs, it's usually in somebody's yard. So it's like, okay, obviously can't go to that person's pool. And But one time we were out there, the first day I did it, my cousin's girlfriend and I, that, that, came, out, that came out wrong. First, <laughs> the, first the first time my, my cousin's yeah. girlfriend showed me Rando Nautica, and she's like, have you ever tried this? And I'm like, what is it? We, I downloaded it. And, you know, this is the middle of the pandemic, so any any entertainment, welcome. I don't care what it is. Throwing rocks at signs was fun back then by bringing it back. But I went, I put it on and it took me up the mountain up around the Tennessee state line. And I walked through, I walked in our hunting club. It took me to the hunting club entrance and I walked about a hundred yards down to a pile of jugs. You know, in the country, people just dump stuff. There's random dump site. It was a pile of jugs, the old three liter Mountain Dew bottles. Remember those? Yeah. yeah. From the mid nineties, it was a bunch of three. It's, that's how long it'd been there. It was in the woods and a bunch of privy hedges. Pile of jugs. Insignificant. Just it was a garbage pile, but mostly jugs. I walk back to my truck and I'm covered in bites because I'm wearing flip-flops because I'm in Alabama. And I drive and I drive back to my aunt's house and we hang out and then I drink some water because it's a hundred. It's like the middle of middle of August, July. And so I do it again. <clears throat> it pops a coordinate on the back porch. And I don't know why this one coordinate was two miles up a mountain one. And it was a recycling bin full of jugs. What what is it took me right? It was a creep. That's not even the creepiest thing. But I was like, why did this thing take me to a pile of jugs twice? It just it makes you it makes you wonder what kind of energy energy level. But one the then the next time we used it was after we ate dinner one day. And I did I did the widest one I could because where we were we had free range of the whole place again and we could walk. And it took us to a place I saw. Oh, that's in the middle of the hunting club again. Out in the middle of this big field. It was near. It's it's not important to the story but it's near a slave cemetery so that kind of freaked me out out of the middle of this old plantation and so we were walking around the dirt road and i got off in the bean field and there's like a uh in the, in the middle of these fields where it's a low spot and they can't really plow it so over the years it grows up and it takes me right in the middle of this 
pine thicket in this field about the size of a golf green. And I walk in the middle of it and there's a clearing with the leaves, you know, cause it's in the woods and there's a turtle right in the center of this clearing right where the point is, where the turtle is. I don't know. Took me to a clearing in the woods, with clearing the in the woods and there's a turtle. I'm like, is, is nobody going to acknowledge? Kinda cool. That's kind of cool actually. And they're like, Oh, it's just a turtle. I says, nobody going to acknowledge that this thing took us a mile and a half to a turtle. Turtle. Medicine. I don't know what it means. Turtle medicine. <laughs> look up shamanic turtle medicine. Yeah, look up turtles. Yeah, turtles, turtles are great. Dude, I was freaking out. I'm like, it took us directly to a turtle in the middle of a clear. Yes. Uh, this well, is see, Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, well, see, that see, that's those are some of my other signs. I, I have the I have these relationships, these symbolic relationships with certain animals. So like if I see them or I see a bunch of them, um, especially birds, <clears throat> but not just birds, but if I see, you know, particular ones, it's always means something. They always are telling me something, you know, usually there's something going on mm -hmm. and, and they're, they're telling me something to pay attention to. And over the years, I have figured out what they mean, you know, and this is, this is, you know, this is the kind of thing, of course, my indigenous teachers have taught me about yeah. too. Um, but, um, like, for example, if I'm going to an important meeting or I'm going to something like like last weekend, I I had to have a really important conversation with somebody who's a friend of mine because we had to, you know, we had to work some stuff out. Um, we've had some kind of we've had conflicts lately. And so I was I was I was kind of like I didn't I didn't know how it was going to work out. I was kind of, you know, I. I you know how you're feeling like it's like, well, I hope this goes well, you know, that kind of thing, but not just really not knowing how it's going to work out. And, or it, it can be any meeting, like, um, you know, like if I, like if, if my full work or, or something like that. And if, if I'm driving on the road and I suddenly start seeing red tailed hawks, then I know it's going to be okay. You know, like they start showing up. Yeah, on power lines. It's going to be okay, <laughs> and um, and I don't know how that works, but it's always been true, you know. Or like if I'm if I'm gonna if I if I need to pay attention to a, 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 an important message during the day, um, almost always a cardinal will show up. It's just it's just weird. It's it's kind of like <clears throat> whatever the whatever the universe needs to tell me it often tells me through animals of one type or another that's kind of like your angel number then yeah kind of yeah the way that you describe that is kind of like how i would see that particular number on license plates and random phone numbers right right and i think it's just you know but over time i mean i had to learn yeah. to pay attention <laughs> to it um i had to learn what it meant um that's exactly the, this that's exactly the same scenario like wait a minute this is happening right when this happens and right right yeah, you get that the first couple of times you get that sense of comfort you're like wait a minute this is significant yeah well you know it's just like uh it's like now it's like if it shows up i'll be like well you know if somebody shows up i'll be like okay okay all right you know and 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 something will happen you know and and it's it's interesting though i, I think it's interesting that it's animals but um anyway so have you ever gotten the good sign and then something bad happens? No. 
yeah, I've had I, I've had I've had the good sign and something the opposite of what I would consider the good outcome happen. So and then I think I wonder what interesting turn of events is going to happen to make it turn around. And sure enough, it turns around in this weird, almost like a miracle kind of thing. Like, wow, that was incredible. Yeah, well, I I think what it what it does is it, it is is when I see it when I see those things, it's like, I mean, mostly what happens with me is it's more like, um, it's more like I'm already kind of um, worried about something or Mm -hmm. there's a conflict or something. And I might, and I might be um, like thinking about solutions or I might be wondering how things are going to go. But um, usually, I don't know. usually it's at the very least it call it calms me down you know what mm-hmm. i mean i, I know that usually things, let you know the outcome is going to be positive things, things no are going to be happening. okay things are going to be okay no matter what happens so you know i got peppered with it last about a, about two weeks ago i got peppered with it i'm like what is going to happen today and sure enough some stuff like some stuff hit the fan and i'm like this is i'm like this has got to be it it's credible so i got to paying attention and I started laughing at, the, at sort of the comedy of errors that were the dominoes that kept falling. I mean, this is hilarious. Like, it's like I'm in a movie watching myself. And then it finally resolved. I'm like, what the heck was that about? Like, it, it resolved positively. I knew it was going to happen. But how it did, I was like, that is insane. Well, so, oh, yeah, well, because sometimes, you know, really intense or chaotic stuff needs to happen in order for things to change enough for something good to happen. Yeah, birthing yeah. pains, they call them. Yeah, or whatever they are, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, so... You know, and and a lot of times, at least in my life, things that I thought were really crappy at the time turned out to be really mm-hmm. what needed to occur. Most of the time. You know, yeah. Did I mean, and then sometimes there are things that happen and and it's like. And you go on, I'm like, what the hell you know, it could have just done this. Why did it have to do all of this? Yeah, but, you, know, you probably had know. to learn something in between. Things, you probably had to gain a skill in between. Things, is why I did that. Yeah. Did you know there was? A, did you know there was an Alabama Mardi Gras hobby? Mm-hmm. I'm going to it tomorrow. It's gonna be cold. Mobile, and there's one here in Huntsville too. There's one down here. This is Dothan. Yeah. Dothan. Yeah. Oh, they do them everywhere in Alabama. It was the first one. I didn't know they had one until we went to it the yeah. last the last year or so, whenever we went. But they throw moon pies at you. Alabama had the first Mardi Gras in, in this country. I didn't know that. Alabama number one again. <laughs> I didn't realize that that was mm-hmm. true. But Mobile, Mobile was the first uh, that first colony like that that did it. The the Cajuns didn't come along until afterwards. Cool, cool. And uh, they always throw moon pies at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I go around trying to get them. You can only get so many before you have to. You can't carry them, but I like the gray moon pies. I like the vanilla ones. The bananas are yeah. okay, but I like a, the vanilla moon pies. If I gotta have one, vanilla banana. They got the moon pie up. store up here in Lynchburg, up, or, up by Jack Daniels. Oh, cool, cool. You got some crazy kid walking around in a moon pie mascot outfit who's not enthusiastic. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you get to be a moon pie for a living. Why are you, why are you mad? <laughs> so I know you can't talk about certain things, but what's the buzz with all this World War Three stuff? Are people freaking out that you know and stuff? I mean, no, pretty- there, there's not really any buzz about it. Generally, in 
very broad terms when there's a topic such as defense in the news the uh the attitude is just updates of what's happening not any kind of predictions yeah they don't they wouldn't even come near they don't they don't brief that kind of stuff you know intention like what's going to happen the plans seems anything like i would ever be near paint some of these uh train derailments in the other place in north carolina like they're trying to make that seem like it's some kind of terrorism it could just be accidents you know i think it's a lot along the lines of how plane crashes are sensationalized just right now anything that's a random tragedy is going to be the it's the flavor of the month it's a chinese super terrorist cell I, I just don't i don't have time for it i'm like it's stuff <laughs> stuff happens somebody posted a video from uh nicaragua saying there were no chemtrails there i'm like there's no chemtrails here at the time depends on what's what the air traffic is that day yeah definitely and uh and uh, i used to live where did i live in alabama rex or no Oh, it didn't come to me later, but I lived there for a while. Lived in Tennessee for a while, too. But, uh, had a lot of weird UFO stuff in Tennessee that was weird near military base. That so was very, very strange and awkward. Do you I ever get any oh, go military ahead. helicopter crash up here yesterday? Uh oh. Or Wednesday. Tennessee National Guard had a Blackhawk fall out of the sky just wow. north of, uh, just north of Huntsville. Did anybody pass away or? Yeah, no survivors. Wow, I think it was t- two or three members of the Tennessee National Guard. That sucks. Yeah, they, they came. There was a video ring camera footage of it, and it just came wah, 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 black smoke. Sometimes you hear stories about Bigfoot around bases and soldiers see them and stuff. I hear a lot about that. Like, now, there was one. There's only one uh, Bigfoot BFRO report for this county, and it's right behind all against the military base. And it's possible, but that's. But uh, have you ever heard of the uh, the Mount Vernon monster at Fort Bell? Yeah, 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 yeah. It it took place in the same similar similar uh, geographic or not similar geographic, but similar wooded area right up against the military base. I saw a weird article showing this thing that uh, said the UFOstalker.com was temporary. I think it's a MUFON thing. I don't really care for move on that much, but it's just interesting. It said this domain has temporarily been seized by the Department of Defense in coordination oh with the Department of Homeland Security and Department of Justice in support of an ongoing investigation related to the unidentified aerial phenomenon occurring within occurring within North American airspace. It's at UFO sightings hotspot dot uh, UFO sightings hotspot dot blogspot dot com. But supposedly it's their tracker site, and they had this on the front of it. Which who knows if it really happened or what? That's not true. They would never put that there. They would never say that if that's what actually was happening. May have just been like a promotion <laughs> that's a gimmick, thing. especially since it's a blog spot. <laughs> not yeah. even paying for the domain. The, let's see, Mufon UFOs. Let's see if anything comes up from any other sources about it. But I know I've heard weird stories about Robert Bigelow trying to buy websites from people. I knew this guy named Manuel that uh, Bigelow's people came to him. It was like a UFO database. We're like trying to buy it and stuff, uh, which is kind of weird. He buys up weird stuff like that that I've heard. I'll sell him mine for two hundred grand. <laughs> yeah, but then you'll have to be, like work for him forever and assassinate people. And <laughs> I mean, 
pay off the house. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I'd do yeah. a lot worse things than that to get pay this house off. Assassination would be a, would be a good day. <laughs> he, I know he had, he owned Skinwalker Ranch. I always want yeah. to know why Jacques Vallée went there. That French ufologist that's like a, a, a epic dude that went there. They won't tell us a thing because of uh, confidentiality. NDA. Crap. Hate it. But, uh, so uh, you get the UFO subject a lot. I mean, there most of your shows just die hard, like UFO sightings and stuff. You have to be careful with that because some of those can get kind of light worker, you know, a little cuckoo. Like, you got to be careful yeah. with the channeling and stuff. And, UFO's yeah. tough, man. That's a <laughs> tough one. That's, I, 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 have a, I have kind of a, a code of ethics, kind of like an honor among thieves thing when it comes to the guests I have that yeah. whatever they say is 100% real while they're on that show. No, it doesn't matter if they said they, they, they saw Mickey Mouse grow wings and fly off. You know, it doesn't, whatever they say is real. But I listen to some of the UFO stuff. I'm like, man, that is, that's, it's hard, I, it's hard to believe. And I love the subject. I love the subject, but it's, it's a tough one. The Bigfoot guys, the Bigfoot guys almost seem like the uh, shining light in that world when it comes to it. Yeah. They're saying on Reddit that is a hoax. So, oh, yeah. Totally hoax. What, what's a hoax? The UFO stalker being seized by the Department of Defense. Apparently, they hoped. Oh, it. yeah. DOD Thank wouldn't you. put that up there that it was seized by I me. Mean, it they just, just wouldn't be available. It. They would no, kill the DNA. Just, they would right. kill the DNS registry, and you wouldn't be able to. It just wouldn't be a site. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's I mean, a whole lot easier. To, people say stuff like that. They don't know how the military works. I mean, I it's mean, like they're not going to say the military seized the site. You're just going to go get a 404 error. Yeah. Or, a D, or a DNS there, the little T-Rex. I had something happen to the site, our site, recently, and uh, kept saying DNS, DNS database key not found, and it wouldn't let me in, and mm -hmm. wouldn't let me get a new password. And I was freaking out, like thought maybe it was hacked or something. I didn't know what was going on. But then an hour later, the power all went off, and that made me even more paranoid, which was stupid, but it was just too many crappy things happen at once <laughs> but anyway in the morning i guess wordpress and all that crap was down so that's why that happened mm -hmm. so there's been crazy stuff at the site lately the power in your insane. house went off after that happened yeah yeah I, I wonder if it wasn't a a hub going down locally it's possible because you know. dns fails it could just be any number of uh of yeah. random little errors there can be all kinds of stuff that does that. That's my life. That's what I get paid. I to know do. the word the WordPress <laughs> down thing was up. People reporting it and stuff, and it was down and all that. Yeah, so. WordPress is a WordPress is. I'm I'm I kind of speak it pretty well. I I I, I talked talk to myself about ten years ago. What was that? It's got it's like on a lot of hubs and stuff. I have a weird yeah, thing on, on WordPress. If you have any advice for, it, you don't have to give it to me now, but. For some reason, my newsletter mechanism died, and it gives a 404 error now. Oh, the widget? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, the newsletter doesn't go out at all anymore. It just, like, died. Like, it would take everything I posted and send it out. But for some reason, just croaked. I'm trying to figure I would just, it out. I would just check on the widget, like, itself to see if it does, has a known error. If not, yeah. just it, uninstall it completely and reinstall it. Yeah. Because yeah, they, they can I get would, errors. Is, yeah, I, I, would just, I would just try to... Yeah, just check it that way, and then try to uninstall and reinstall it. See if that works. Yeah, yeah. Those widgets are basically just pieces of software installed, so they get they get bad. The, their connection to that database goes bad. It's just yeah. Do. 
they can get corrupted. So. The server it's hosted on could be bad. You don't know. Yeah. It could right. be in Hawaii. You don't know where it's at. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah, exactly. check it out. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. With all this stuff, I've been up. I've been on. A, I've been on a call till three a.m. because something happened in Texas that somebody in Germany had to log into and fix. So it's it's a it's a wild world out there. Far are, there any, are there any other subjects you don't get into that you want to get into? I like. I would love to get more history, people. And everybody says, "Are you doing a paranormal podcast now?" I'm like, I'm not necessarily like I explained earlier. It just kind of morphed into that. Paranormal people are easy to get. I love to talk. <laughs> it's hard to get science people to be on a show when you say one of my subjects is cryptids and stuff because they they don't want to they don't want to go woo woo at all. Kind of like wild trees. That's why he had yeah. to change his name because he couldn't he couldn't do this over here and then paranormal in this hand. But I would love to get into more history. Well, you know, I've got I've got a background in that. So if you ever mm -hmm. want me on, it depends. You know, it depends on what kind of history mm -hmm. you want. But I can do I like most of it. I, I was a history minor in college just because I mean, those were the classes I would make A's in. I mean, it's like I I, I do a lot of medieval stuff. I I, I do a lot of like um, pre um, pre Columbian North American indigenous stuff. Tons That'd of stuff. Native. I mean, I mean native. native stuff. I mean, um, uh, you know. But Jeffrey knows that I do. Um, I I used to teach world history at the college level. I just mm -hmm. I'm, I'm out of I left academia about six or seven years ago mm -hmm. to to do other things. But um, so you know, I, do you ever get into more like the uh, stories they want the stories your teacher oh, won't absolutely. tell you kind of history? That's, well, that's what I want to get into. Or weird history. Yeah, absolutely. Or either just either that or just stuff, not just stuff that they won't tell, but just stuff that hasn't gotten told. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, we have our we, we have our sort of mainstream narratives about history and mm -hmm. and there's all you know what ha what happened in real life is always more bizarre like one of one of one of my favorite like rabbit holes that i went down into a, you know like about a year ago because i read this one book about it was the whole i mean we don't think about this now at all because we don't do this but it was the whole court sort of social history um, and and uh, the kind of politics, I guess, if you would put it that way, the mm -hmm. politics behind the, the the people who would become public executioners in Europe, because hmm. we you know we have this image of these people who would like you know chop people's heads off or torture people, you know, put them on the rack or um, you know, but like nobody ever asks like who were these people and like you know were, were they sociopaths that just got gainful employment <laughs> you know during the late middle ages or what and it turns out that it was it's actually fascinating it's not that easy it's for example in germany um oftentimes like in nuremberg's the example i can think of but in but in many european um, um, countries or cities, you were you became an executioner because, the, uh, oftentimes, just simply because the ruler or mayor of a city 
for some reason didn't like you and forced you to do it. Mm. It wasn't. They didn't want to do it. A lot of them didn't want to do it because they were going to be asked to do really, really awful things. And there were all of these social strictures and kind of social rules around how you did it, how well you did it. There were, there were like a lot of just rules about it. It's like if, if you were to torture someone before you, before you executed them, um, the, these tortures had to be done in a certain way and the confessions had to be extracted in a certain fashion. And I mean, and, and it was, it was kind of a public drama between the, 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 the executioner or the, who was also a torturer and, and the public who was watching the spectacle and the person whose body was being used as kind of a physical manifestation of a pun of punishment that that the, the community wanted demonstrated in some way. It's very complicated. And woe mm -hmm. betide the, the executioner torture who didn't do a good job of that, who didn't figure out like how to sort of manage that weird kind of communication. It was it was it was like a public drama, basically. It's it was it's very bizarre, you know, because we hear about these people, you know, with their big hatchets or whatever. And their and their mask on and everything. And their mask on. Mm -hmm. But 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 how they became that, how they trained to become that. Um, did they did they want to pass this down to their children? You know, like what? Because because even though they served a public function, they were exiled by you know by the community, and oftentimes, especially in European uh, European countries, they would be given a small stipend and a place to live by the whoever the ruler was. This place where they lived was often sort of outside of the regular town or at the edge of the regular town. So it was like they, they were, they were paid for by the state, but they were also reviled by the people because of what they did, even though what they did served a certain social function. <laughs> it was, it's just, it's really fascinating. Mm -hmm actually you know i could i could talk about stuff like that for hours that i could do a, i'm gonna have you i want to get an episode of you just talking about that yeah that'd be fine that, that because, would be incredible because because actually it i didn't realize it was that interesting <laughs> you it's know? one of those things you don't think about exactly exactly i read i read i read a book that's called the faithful executioner and it's it was it's a it's a a, a, a kind of an a, it's an analysis and a, and a translation of a diary um, that was done, um, that was written by, kept by an executioner in Nuremberg. And the reason why it's it's a unique document is, well, first of all, a lot of people, and this was like in the 17th century, first of all, a lot of people during that time period, you know, didn't keep journals anyway. But, um, but in that journal, he describes the the guy who wrote it describes a lot of these dynamics. And so, what this guy who wrote the book did, you know, the translation in the book, he takes this he takes this book and then he does this deep dive research into all of the different rules about that, some of the other accounts that exist. It's it's really interesting. 
Yeah, imagine being like the, the public That's, executioner going to like a pub after a hard day of cutting heads off and just getting you, you, you know, didn't. His, me, you getting didn't. his mean. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't. It'd just um, be awkward if he did. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And yeah, it, it was. And it's just you wash stuff, your hands. It's just stuff you did that you don't think about. Because and then what it does is it kind of really shows shines a really intense light on um, the kinds of things that we do and don't do or do and don't accept in our so in our um, judicial and penal system. Um, you know, I mean, because some of the things that were done routinely, um, even very recently. Um, you know, up through parts of the 19th century in, in you know, in the UK and even here um, are just really disturbing. If you understand, like, you know, like what people were actually doing, you know, in terms of public torture and execution. And so a lot of people now would really be grossed out about it. But I also think a lot of people right now would sort of get into it. If you think about, you know, the types of movies we watch <laughs> No, and the kinds of uh, you know games, you know virtual games that some of us play, and you know, kind of like uh, the guy, the kid from Green Mile who just wanted to flip the switch. Exactly. Percy. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there are you know, whenever they have a, an exec public execution in parts of the in in, in places places like Georgia, places like Florida, um, they they always have um, you know, like if they have a. a gas chamber or you know electrocution or something like that there there's always a line of people literally a waiting list of people who want to be the person who who you know pushes the button it's i can see it, it yeah i mean it's just you know anyway it's but sure you know absolutely. i found that book i'll check that out I mean, I, I, I mean, I like, you know, that that's the kind of history I like. I like the kind of obscure history. It's, yeah. I like I like weird history, too, but I like obscure history. Who's the guy that does the uh, hardcore history? Uh, his his logo is two eyes. I don't know. There's one there's one story like that that I like. It was when Columbus Columbus knew there was going to be an eclipse and he told the natives, if we don't do this. I'm going to block out the sun. Oh, uh huh. Oh, is that Dan Dan Carlin's hardcore? Yeah, Dan Carlin, yeah. Yeah, 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 got, yeah. He does the good ones. Yeah. He was talking about these people that betrayed the uh, ruler or something. I, I can't think specifically, but he went this detail about the punishment that these people did for betraying by trying to break off and fight the ruler. And they mm -hmm. were tied up and their skin was peeled off of them with hot irons. Yeah. And... And if you passed out while it was happening, they woke you up with smelling salts and stuff, and so they could keep going until oh, yeah. they killed you. You couldn't yeah. pass out. <laughs> oh God Almighty! But yeah. he, it was like an hour of him describing that. First yeah. of all, how do they know? How do they know that happened? I guess somebody wrote it down. But geez, yeah. just fla the flay thing just freaks me out when I hear about it. Like Ramsey Bolton on Game of Thrones, the flayed man just crossed the battlefield. Yeah, I yeah I, I yeah when. Well, and just even the, the the tortures that this guy, you know, this mm -hmm. in the faith the tortures that he had, because because you know, part, part one of his one of his the the idea of it was that you is that the body is sort of the mechanism where, where that that um, 
allows an opportunity for the expiation of the soul, essentially, kind of a public, a, a public confessional. And, and so the tortures had to be done in a certain way. It was like you had to torture someone badly enough, but, but not past a certain point. Because if you if you if it was past a certain point, then the the uh, you could the the crowd could start to see you as cruel, and then they would call for the person to be executed. It's, it's just interesting. Mm. It's it's just interesting. You know, it's um, you know the 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 crowd the, the as spectators played a very important role in in you know how much a person was tortured how they you know and and there was a judgment on the executioner at every point in the, and, and every point <laughs> in it. it's just it's really it's interesting it's not what it's not what i thought it would be about what, what if i what if i read that book and then in like two months we got back together and sure. like dissected it what's it called now the it's diary the, of a the the faithful executioner the faithful yeah. executioner. Now, yeah, now it's it's an academic book, so it's you know it's academicy, but academic-y. you know it, you know he's not the best writer in the world, but it's so interesting that I didn't care. Well, uh, hey guys, I got to close out. We're supposed to close okay. out the deal, but. Uh, Bobby, it's been great. It's bobbydizzle.com, B-O-B-B-Y-D-I-Z-Z-L-E.com. Everybody check it out. And uh, we appreciate you coming on. We'll have to get you on some more yeah. for in the future when we have more time. And we'll have to do a trilogy. I had a great time. I love these a things. trilogy, yeah. yeah so yeah. we'll do Wild Trees. He's He's got to do his third in the trilogy at some point. We'll have to we need, me and Wild Trees need to be on here together since he got a new laptop. Yeah, that'd be fun, That's too. A, that's a what? rabbit hole we, uh, likes of links you've never seen. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely do that. <laughs> we appreciate it. It's been great. And uh, thanks. See you at the Mardi Gras. No, <laughs> you oh, yeah. Eat a moon pie for me. Yeah, that's yeah. right. All right. All right, everybody. Have a good weekend. Thanks for Bye. listening. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Have a good weekend. See ya.